Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Missoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad that you joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. Sarah Missoni won't be joining us today. As our regular listeners know, we were at a food show in New York this week and Sarah got COVID. So um, she is not here. She lost her voice, but she wanted me to tell everybody that she is doing okay. And she will be back next week. We're going to do a recap of the food show uh, and tell everybody our top items that we found and uh, talk about how it went for the people that were at the show. Uh, But I'll wait to do that when Sarah's here, like we usually do. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm very excited about our guests that we have today. Uh, Joining me is Emily Green, also known as Foodie Snitch. Emily is a lifestyle photographer specializing in videography styling. She's an avid food fan and supporter of the community. Welcome, Emily. I'm glad you're here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, We like our listeners to be able to find you uh, and follow along on your journey. So how can they find you on Instagram and your website, please? Yeah. So I'm also going to make a shameless plug for TikTok as well. I'm most active on Instagram and TikTok. You can find me there under foodie snitch, all one word. And then my website is foodiesnitch.com. So spelled the same all across the board. Easy peasy. Perfect. Well, you are not our typical guest. Usually we have uh, makers on the show, but every once in a while we bring in people that are helpful to the maker community or that we feel like should be connected to our listeners. So that is why we asked you to join. And can you describe to um, everybody what it is that you do? Oh, gosh. Well, that's kind of a loaded (laughs) question. Um, I feel like at the heart of what I do is I love to support Portland businesses and things to do here and just our community as a whole that often translates through photography and videos. Um, Most recently, um, specifically during COVID, I started doing video restaurant reviews, which is how most people know me. So I love to go visit, um, especially new openings or minority-owned businesses to really highlight them and show them off um, through social media. I uh, That's a great description. I was trying 
to like word how I would word what you do. And I, I think that, um, you know, our podcast is called The Meaningful Marketplace. And we like to have people on that um, really like help out and lift others up. And I think that you do that so well, especially for our restaurant community. Because I think that, um, you know, at this time, we talk about on the show a lot when we've had um, restaurant owners, it's sometimes hard for people to make things fun and seem fun and get people in. And I think that your um, videos that you post of going into restaurants really draws people to them. And I think that you are helping these restaurant owners by pumping them up and being like, look at these great things that you're doing. And then of course, bringing them customers. Well, I will say it's extremely easy to do in Portland. I feel like we are so spoiled with not only the innovation and creativity that I see within the food scene here, also just the agriculture and, you know, things that we have access to is just incredible. So I find it very easy to highlight because I think we're surrounded by really amazing people with access to really great food. And I always say that also Portland is one of the more affordable cities in the U.S. to eat in. Um, Of course, we all know there's been an increase in food prices across the board, but I do find that the price point in Portland is a lot more accessible than other larger metro areas. So I think it's really fun to just highlight what's available here. I think what really kicked it off, especially back in 2020, when I started making these videos was people didn't know what was open or if they had takeout or if they were doing outdoor dining. And there was a lot of questions about what was happening and what was available really day by day or week by week. Um, Things have definitely become more steady since then, but the ask is still the same, like, where should I go out to eat? I'm where should I celebrate my birthday? I want to go out for fun drinks. So um, those questions haven't died down um, at all. And I think it's really fun to kind of answer the questions that, that I see a lot. And also the questions I have for myself, which is, you know, what would be my top five bars in Portland or what, what, where would I recommend grabbing a breakfast sandwich Um, and kind of answering those questions through video format. Well, that was going to be my next question is what are your top five places to go right now? (laughs) Oh, gosh. You know, whenever people ask me that, I really don't like to answer because it's just too hard here. So what I love to do is if I get asked that question, I go, well, give me give me a cuisine. If you ask me my favorite Thai food, I could tell you, or if you ask me my favorite coffee shop, I could tell you. Um, But just as generally speaking, picking five favorites would feel near impossible. Yeah. uh, Because there's so much, so many little niches within the food community here. Um, But I do do a pretty good job on, um, on my socials of updating where I'm going. Um, I kind of have always a running list, especially keeping my eye up on new openings and new happenings in the city. So um, it's, it's hard to pick a favorite. Um, but I, I have started to do kind of these listicles. Uh, I most recently did um, like five places to go out for a nice dinner um, and kind of framing it up um, within a subtopic always is more helpful for me than picking a, a singular favorite. Sure. That makes sense. Um, I When people ask me things like that too, it's usually about like a favorite product or a favorite place. And I think it's hard to decide because of course you don't want to leave anybody out, but also, um, you know, it's hard to pick favorites because you don't, you don't, 
you know, there's so many, it just depends on like what the situation is. But I think that, I think if people follow your social media, they will um, be able to find great places to go and check out. But you all, you don't just stick to Portland. You, you post other places too, right? I do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like pre COVID, I used to travel a lot more and being here so much more really almost forced me in a way to hone in and and fall in love with the city. Yeah. even more, but I do post when I travel, I find that people really resonate and get excited about when I post about things that are within driving distance of Portland. So when I talk about Seattle or things at the coast or, you know, over East to bend, um, or even dip into um, California, the interest is still pretty, pretty strong from my audience in those areas. Um, Me and my fiance just recently went to Kauai for, he had some work um, on the island. And so I did some food reviews there and kind of came up with a short list for, you know, if anybody happened to be traveling there, then they could reference that. So I don't do maybe as extensive as travel or extensive food coverage when I travel, because oftentimes that's kind of my break too. Um, but yeah, I definitely cover other things besides Portland, but I would say Portland is at the heart of, of the con most of the content that I'm producing. And did you grow up in the area? Has Portland always been your hometown? No, it has not. So I grew up in Southern Oregon in um, the Rogue Valley, So I lived there until I was 18 and then I moved to Eugene to go to school at U of O. And then um, shortly after I moved up here. So I've been in Portland for seven years. Um, It feels like a lot longer. I, when I moved here, I, I started as a journalist and my beat that I was assigned was covering restaurant openings with photography. So as a new grad, Freshly out of college, broke. That was the dream job because I got to eat at all these incredible restaurants um, and take pictures. And so I feel like I got to know the city quite a bit faster than the average person because they were sending me to, you know, five, six places a week um, back then. And so I've been here for seven, but it feels like quite a bit longer. I I was wondering how you had such a strong connection to the food world. And that makes a lot of sense that you would have gotten your start from um, going and taking photos there. And I do think that's a dream job for anybody. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, it was, it was, it was like, I had just always heard, you know, Portland was this food city and then I was immediately thrown into it. And I, you know, at first didn't really know what to make of it because I was, you know, where I grew up, you went to Olive Garden for your birthday. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really, there were local businesses, but not, not in the way that Portland has it. And so that was all new to me. And I just have kind of been in love with it ever since. I didn't always do food coverage. So back then I was doing that beat, but I was also doing quite a bit of other types of photography, like outdoor and travel portraiture. Um, and so it wasn't always my niche, but that's definitely how I got into it and what I kept coming back to. And I just found that food really facilitates community and connection. And within the photography world, there was a lot less politics tied to it. I found that I really were, were really just loved being around food photo shoots and, you know, seeing the behind the scenes, there was never really any drama 
um, chefs were always really excited to speak to their menu and what they were creating. Um, you really got to, uh, I don't know, a feel for a place through the staff. And then I also have like a tiny bit of me that loves interior design. So I always loved like the physicalness of a restaurant and how they chose to present to the world with all of those choices of what tables and napkins and all of that. So I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I just kept coming back to the food scene and um, it's, it's, it's a lovely place to be in a lovely industry to work with and especially here in Portland. Well, I I think you do a great job of, um, you know, putting so much into each one of your videos or each one of your photos. And I'm sure when you started out, you were just doing, you know, photography, but the world has changed in the seven years that you've been here. And now you do, I think, a lot more video content. Um, For our listeners, how important do you think it is for people to put video content onto their feeds, whether it be Instagram, TikTok, things like that? I would say it's of the utmost uh, importance. So as somebody who works you know, I would describe myself as working within the food industry and the social media industry almost equally. So I'm very familiar with that landscape. And, you know, Instagram has said that they're prioritizing video over photos. It's not a photo sharing app anymore. It's a multimedia app. And then TikTok is only video. So it's really the nature of where social media is heading. Um, I don't think, you know, photos are gone for good or anything like that, but it's really what those apps are prioritizing within the algorithm. So uh, from a business perspective, if you're trying to reach people, you're going to have a higher chance of doing that through video. And I know for probably a lot of business owners and people who just maybe don't feel as tech savvy, that might sound really overwhelming, or I don't know where to start or how to do that. Um, But I think the good news of that is that the success, especially on TikTok has been that it's been more off the cut, unfiltered, um, not as polished as you would think it needs to be for people to resonate and get excited about what you're talking about. And it doesn't have to be super long. I think when people hear video, you know, our traditional sense of video might be like, oh, a YouTube video that's five minutes or a documentary that's an hour. But these videos that are doing really well are sitting somewhere between, I would say, the 10 and 30 second range. So it's it's a really short form, um, and I, I think it's really doable. You know, all these creators, including myself, we do it all on our phones. So you don't need any fancy equipment. You can just pull out your phone and um, be able to participate in kind of what is trending and what's happening on social media. I th- I think that's great advice for people because sometimes we have even people on the show that are like, oh, no, I don't do Twitter. I don't do TikTok. And, um, you know, my answer is always like, why not? Like, why not try it? Because there's going to be customers on there that that will find you that won't find you any other way, you know. So I think that it's good for people to try. But I also think it's great for people to hire professionals to help, um, which is also very important. So if someone was going to hire you, who, what kind of person would that be? And what would that look like? So I do, I do get hired often to create videos for brands. I I would say, I say brands because typically I'm not hired by restaurants. Um, Most of my coverage on that end is it's because I want to go do it. So I typically like when you see a restaurant that I'm covering, it's, it's because I pick, I sought it out and picked 
picked it, not because necessarily they're contacting me. So within the industry itself, I'm I'm being hired by brands. Um, you know, right now it's looking like a, a knife company. Um, I have a reoccurring uh, partnership with a, a grocery store in town that they hire me on a, on a monthly basis to create videos around what they offer in their market. Um, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I just think um, for like for our listener base, if they wanted to hire someone like you to do photography for them or help them, um, you know, to have videos for Instagram, is that the kind of thing they would go to you for? Yeah, for me specifically, I am kind of maxed out with taking on new new things, and that that's a, a big blessing to say, to say so. But you can. I would seek out, you know, I would get on Instagram, I would get on TikTok and see who's creating videos that, you know, that are within your niche within food. There's a lot of food oriented creators in Portland that are doing a great job. Um, and so it's just about reaching out, talking about your goals, you know, what do you want to accomplish through hiring somebody for video or photography? Um, and, and knowing that, that you'll have to pay for it. That that's something that I would advocate for. I think um, sometimes when you say that you create on your phone, people think, oh, well then it's just for free or something mm -hmm. like that. But um, there's definitely a cost associated with it um, just because you're essentially paying for marketing just in a way that you never thought before. Yeah, I think um, that's true. I have lots of lots of friends who do different types of marketing, whether it be the um, photography piece of it or even just like when you get into like PR and stuff like that. And I think that sometimes people just like expect someone to do it or um, and it's hard. It's hard to have those discussions with people to charge money and to charge what you're worth. But I think it's a really important piece of the of the puzzle. And, um, you know, the work that all of you do is very important and it is so beautiful because of you specifically. So I think that you should be, you should be uh, paid what you're worth for sure. Um, we're going to take a really quick break and then we're going to come back and I want to talk about some of the community meetups and classes that you do. So we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. Okay, so tell us about, um, I noticed that you do, uh, you invite people in the community to meet up and do different things with you and you sometimes do classes. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, so this is something I want to explore more, um, but I did uh, my first community meetup in February of this year with another local creator, my friend, dear friend, Candice Molitori. Um, we just wanted to kind of give people the opportunity to meet in person. I feel like that is one thing feedback that I get on a lot of my Portland food videos is I want to go do this, but I don't know anybody or I don't know how to make friends as an adult, or I moved here during COVID and I haven't been able to meet people. So, um, you know, I, I have been in, in that space at one point where, you know, you're wanting to meet people and you don't know how. So we just wanted to facilitate an opportunity for people to do that within the city. 
making it maybe less about meeting us, but more so connecting with one another. So um, we did that in February and we also partnered with a local cycling studio to then um, walk over after the meetup. We walked over and um, did a cycling class all together. Um, I'm also, um, we're in the process of being trained by Solve Oregon because I wanted organize one of my own community cleanups around the city. Um, you know, that's another feedback that I get a lot is a lot of negativity around the city. So I'm trying to kind of flip that on its head and say, well, let's do something about it. And this is how I, this is the avenue I know how, um, and kind of creating space for other people to join me in that way. And then I also do some ticketed events too. So last summer I did um, a summer farm to table summer dinner series where we did it um, for three days in a row. Everything on the table that was served was grown um, within a 30 mile radius of Portland. And so that was, uh, you know, one where you pay to come, but people were interested in the food and the wine that was being served And I actually have another one happening tomorrow with a local florist. So I'll be curating a five course, small snacks ball from the Portland area. And then she'll be teaching a florals class. Um, So that one was a ticketed event too. So kind of a mix of, of free and also ticketed events. Um, But what I've just noticed is people are craving in-person connection after so much isolation and people also want to connect over food and over other other common interests. So it's been fun to be able to do that for other people. I think that's really great. And it's, um, you know, it's not something that, that I've seen really very often. I mean, of course, like chefs will do dinners and things like that, but it's not really about like hanging out with, with you or with each other. It's kind of like, you know, it's more of a formal dinner. And I think that that's the difference between what you're doing. And I appreciate that. Um, you can take, you know, negativity that is happening in the world and turn it into something great and wonderful. That's like, that's a real skill to have. So thanks for doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm a social person and I grew up, you know, kind of being thrown into social situations. So meetups don't, don't scare me by any means. It's usually just about like the time and coordination, but um, you know, that, that, question of how do I meet people as an adult? How do I make friends as an adult? Once you get out of that college age, there's less and less um, events or activities or common things to kind of expose you to new people, but the interest is still there. So it's been fun. And I always kind of like to think of, I don't know, it's weird being a social media person because sometimes I don't feel like a social media person in the sense like, it just like feels like me and we're ta- I'm talking to people who have common interests. And so I think that's really at the heart of it is like people who are coming to the meetups that I, that I've met, you know, they all kind of feel familiar because we all have similar interests. So it's, it's really cool to be able to facilitate that. Yeah. It, well, I think that's the thing is that, I mean, yeah, you, you're a social media person, but also I think that your interest is in, having fun and creating joy and connection with people. And I think that's what really shines through and makes you different as a curator than, um, than maybe other people. And so I think that that 
that should be highlighted and celebrated because I think it's real that you want, you want people to feel good. You want people to experience this joy that's, that's it within the city. And then if there are other things, then you want to do something about it. So I think that's really cool. I just want to applaud you for that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, totally. Um, I also want to talk about your fashion sense, which is not something that we usually talk about on this show, but I have to say, I love your outfit. And I spotted you at the farmer's market. You know, I've never met you before. I've, I've followed your feed for, I don't, I don't even really know how, how long, but I found you somewhere along the way and, but we've never met, but I realized it was you actually after you walked away because I noticed that you had like strawberry print. And I think that um, as I've seen you on your feed, it seems like that is one thing that you are really into. And and it's what made me realize that it was you when you walked by and I texted you later like, oh, hey, I just noticed you were at the market because I saw you had strawberry something. You know, I think it was your bag maybe, but it's what triggered it for me. I love that you recognize that because I just actually went through a rebrand and one of the little icons that I said I had to have was strawberries, like a illustrated strawberry um, for my branding kit. So I love that that was the recognition. Um, (laughs) I do often, if I, I don't wear a lot of prints, but um, strawberries is definitely one of them that I will wear. So I have quite, I have quite a few like outfits and accessories with strawberry print. I would say another reoccurring one, I really love like little mushrooms. I think they're so cute. So that's another print that I'm very into, you know, both food related, not a shocker. Um, <laughs> but I love that that was the recognition. Um, and I love that you brought up fashion. Um, I think that that's one thing in Portland that I often have noticed is, you know, there's a very distinct Pacific Northwest fashion. Um, it's usually very practical, green jacket, skinny jeans, boot, hiking boots, or boots that could you could go hiking in. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I keep referencing COVID, but it really was a, a, a type of renaissance and rebirth for me on a personal level. Um, as I really started playing with fashion and um, color and both in my home and on my body. And as I've gotten older, I'm, I'm turning 30 uh, this summer. I've just started to kind of embrace dressing for what I would call the female gaze versus the male gaze, which is just what, what do I actually want to wear? And uh, not what is like stereotypically, you know, feminine. And so I've been having a lot of fun playing with, with silhouettes and colors and kind of challenging the the Pacific Northwest fashion. I feel like people typically always comment on my outfits now when I go out and not in an, uh, I'm doing it for attention way, but in a way that I feel like it's more of a true expression of who I am and how I want to present to the world. And I think people kind of are starting to pick up on that. Um, and it's given a lot of of people I know permission to kind of do the same and feel like they can do that. Um, I also will give a a shameless comment that I think Portlanders need to dress up more. (laughs) I just think like, if you're going to go to a nice dinner, (laughs) I want to see you dress up. I know it's rainy and crappy out, but I think we could do a little bit better on that front. So I'll just say that. Um, 
that's another I I get it from like waiters they're like wow you really stepped out tonight yeah they're shocked that they never see it um so you know Portlanders I think we can we can do better and you know express ourselves a little bit more fully don't let the rain I feel like the rain and the gray is what kind of can dampen our spirits but I find like putting on color really really kind of lifts me up a few notches every time I think that um, is very true. And, um, and I think that, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm a port long time Portland gal grew up in, in Oregon in Welch's, which is Mount Hood. But I would say that I don't know that I definitely fit the, um, the Portland narrative that you described, but um, I've definitely not added color to my wardrobe ever. I've always worn pretty much solidly black, but that's just because my husband and I are a little gothy, you know, we're old now, but we've never really changed our style, but I do, we do both love to dress up and we get, um, you know, we got to eat a lot. That's, uh, you know, the food world is definitely near and dear to our heart. It's where all of our buddies work. And, um, you know, so, but we always do get comments when we dress up. And I have to say that when I talk at farmer's market conferences, cause I'm, I'm a speaker at, at this one specifically in San Diego. And I always tell people, like people always ask why I get the press that I get. And sometimes I just say it's because I wear lipstick because I'm ready for people to take my picture. And not that that's my goal of wearing lipstick, but when I'm at my booth, I am dressed like I'm going to go out to dinner. I, um, you know, look, I'm wearing a fancy outfit, even though it's always a black fancy outfit, it's a fancy outfit. And I have my, you know, lipstick and hair done because, and people take my picture more often than if I was in, you know, a rain jacket and hiking boots. I don't think it would happen quite as often. So that is my advice to business owners is that really be ready for people to take your picture because it's going to get you, um, you know, some press in the world because you're going to, they're going to want to print it more than if you were in a rain slicker, I think. I would, I would agree. Uh (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I love that, you know, you, you say you're a little gothy. I love that. Cause my, <laughs> you know, me and my fiance were completely opposite. He loves to wear all black and he's, you know, very dark tones, all neutrals most of the time. And here I am in a neon tie dye dress and a green fuzzy bag, but <laughs> I call that the yin and yang of us. That's great though. I love it. I mean, and it really is. I, I love that the strawberry is your symbol, maybe just right now, maybe it won't last, but I love that it ties in food into your fashion because I do think that your outfits are great. I think it's, I do think that you should be dressing for you and for your own female gaze or that of other women in our community. I mean, I think it's, you're also now a fashion icon and I think that's great. We've really come full circle because when I was a young, young child, I wanted to be a fashion designer, but that was quickly stamped out living in Medford, Oregon, where no one was thinking about fashion. And so, you know, sometimes I feel like it's come full circle in the sense that it's like, oh, that was what my child self wanted. And I just, it took a while to get, you've done it. (laughs) You've made your childhood dreams come true. Good job. (laughs) Well, um, I want to talk more about photography and um, videography because you you did go to school for that, right? Is that what you um, studied when you were at OSU? UVO. Um, and UVO. yes, I um, 
completed my master's in visual journalism at the U of O in 2015. And that was a multimedia program in the sense that we studied journalism in all forms. So we had to be versed in audio, storytelling, video, photography, and writing. Um, I went into it maybe wanting to write, um, but no real idea. And then I took a photography class and I felt like my world just cracked wide open. Um, and it was all, it, I was almost like in a frenzy. I just, all I wanted to do. Um, and I think it's kind of comical because my favorite professor who, you know, it was like a life-changing teacher. He, uh, I was taking his video course at the same time. And he said, well, you're way better at video. And I was like, no, well, I like photo. So I pushed for photo for a really long time. I did professional photography. I say did because I would say it's not the bulk of my work anymore. Um, but photography, you know, that that line reigns true with social media and taking photos. But I did professional photography uh, full time from 2015 to 2020. And then when I started up TikTok and I started doing these videos, I could hear my professor's voice echoing in my head <laughs> saying, you're better at video. Yeah. And, I, and that's really when Foodie Snitch took off was the video. I had been doing the page for two years, blogging and doing photography, trying to tell these stories in the food world. And once I implemented video, it was like just an astronomical production. It just went, um, and so I do have formal training in those mediums. Um, and I do think that that really is kind of the backbone of a lot of the, the video and, and photography that I create is I'm, I'm always thinking about what does this add? Is there a store? What does this add to the story? What do the viewers gain from seeing this or, or what can I, what senses can I touch on with what video clips I'm selecting? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, I'm glad that your professor, um, his words are still in your ears because <laughs> I think he was right for sure. Your videos are so great. Let's talk about your name because you mentioned it. Let's talk about the name of your um, website and brand. So Foodie Snitch, where, wh how did you come up with that? What made you choose that as your name? That was a... Uh, you know, when you're trying to pick a business, I mean, I'm sure a lot, there's a lot of business owners listening. So you're like, what do I call my business? What do I call what I'm trying to do? So it took me a while to come up with the name. I think I, I knew I wanted to create the brand in 2018. Um, so I was honing in on food, but I didn't know what to call it. And I wanted it to be catchy and I wanted it to feel right. And I remember, um, thinking on, I don't know if, if I saw it on TV or whatever, but Gossip Girl, I saw the name Gossip Girl come through. And I was like, I kind of like how her, she was kind of mysterious and her voice. And I kind of liked the way they named it. And I thought, how would that translate to food? So that was really that, that name was the inspiration for Foodie Snitch, which was my interpretation kind of inspired by that. So that's how the name came about. Um, also, I kind of like how it has like snitch isn't a good word typically, but I've made it a good word in the sense that people want to know where to go. It's the yeah. age old question. You know, we went from guidebooks to now people turn to social media for information, but it's still there. Where, where do I go out to dinner? Where do I go for a hike? I want, my parents are coming into town. Where do I take them? And so I'm, 
essentially snitching on on it, but it's not a bad thing. So I kind of like that playfulness of it too. Yeah, I think it's really fun. And it does make that it's like, it's like getting a secret tip that no one is supposed to know about. But um, yeah, it's a it's a great name. I'm glad that you chose it and stuck with it. Um, the other thing that I really wanted to talk to you about um, was how you turn your clients visions into a reality. Because I think that, um, you know, as far as if you, if people are to look at your website and they see the work that you have done for, um, you know, the knife company or the, or I know you do a lot of stuff with wineries. How do you take people's products and make them look so good and represent their brand? Well, I, I, you know, I feel like, you know, this is a, a tip for, for business owners who are hiring is really pick a creator who you already like their vision and what they're doing. Because I feel like what I do is I just take their product and I almost, it's like I insert it through my world and my lens. So you'll see a reoccurrence of, of colors and lighting. I always love bright light. I love pastels and vibrant colors. So I'm going to pull that into my work every time. Um, and I, I do, I feel like most of the time I get a lot of creative freedom from brands that I'm working with, which I love because then they just allow me to, uh, take whatever they're making and kind of give it life through the foodie snitch lens. So, I mean, the example that I can give as I'm working with a, a company right now on their, they have, it's not food related, but they have these outdoor towels. And I think about, well, what, what would I actually use an outdoor towel for? And I go, well, I love Oregon and I love going to swimming holes. And so if I were to create a video around a dry towel, I would probably drive out to a swimming hole and bring picnic items and probably some yummy drinks and film me using the towel and getting in and out of the water, but also what, what's the lifestyle around the towel and what's my lifestyle around the towel, if we're talking about that specifically. Um, so I also feel like I love to romanticize life in general. So I'm also going to think about it through that lens. Like how could I make an afternoon with a towel, the best afternoon ever. (laughs) And, um, just kind of adding like a a positive light spin on things. And I hope that translates through my work. That's what I really try to do because, you know, the world is a heavy place. And I think that for me, creating is, is a way to kind of escape that and kind of create a new reality. Well, and that, that kind of brings up what my next question was going to be, which is that if, if I look at your feed, it, your life is so, amazing and fun and and great do you think that there's misconceptions about that like because you're also working I mean that is your job and I'm sure that that um every things that you do are fun but are you always having the best time ever <laughs> yeah I I totally hear that because I you know there's also a lot of uh conversation around social media and mental health and how you know, social media is a highlight reel. So I think that's been at the forefront of conversation for, for a while. And so I hope that people are thinking about social media in that way. Um, because my life is not perfect and it is not always perfect. Um, but 
that's kind of my dreamland that I like to play in uh, the way I like to think of it. But a lot of the things, I think that one of the things that makes what I, what's resonating so well with people is that I'm going out and doing legitimately what I like to do for fun and I'm just capturing it. So of course there's like (laughs) the hard crappy days where I'm in front of a computer all day (laughs) And it's a beautiful day outside and I wish I was out there, but I'm, but I'm in here. Um, so you're not seeing that or, you know, all the other things that life throws at us. Um, so definitely not perfect, but I try, I really try to make the most of life. And I think that sometimes that could mean, you know, you're going to a park, the park, like after this, I'm going to go to the park for an hour and sit in the grass and, and read. And I might post about that. And then, um, you know, I'm not going to show you my, my long work day, but I, I, I think what I'm trying to do is inspire people to use their time that they do have to give that glimmer of romance or that, that glimmer of fun amidst what life gives us. And I hope that, I think that I've been able to do that from conversations I've had with people who follow me is, you know, that say you've really inspired me to get out and try things or, or go see this or go eat that. And that's ultimately what I want to do. Cause those, those moments where we get vivacious life, that's, that's really what sustains me. And I hope it sustains other people too. I think that's great. And I think that you do a, a wonderful job. And I think that, um, you know, you inspire people to go experience the city. And I think that's what we need. And I think that what you're doing is important because we do need a little bit of a push sometimes to go have fun. And and you bring that glimmer of of joy and of excitement and of experiencing life. And so... I think keep doing it. You're doing a great job. And and I don't know that anybody wants to see you sit in front of your computer and do work, even though I know that's a big part of what you do. <laughs> but that's what we all have to do, you know? Yeah, it's really about, I mean, there's a trend right now on, on TikTok specifically where people are saying, this is what I do uh, from five to nine, saying like when I get off at five and then till nine, eight and the next day, this is how I spend my five to nine, which I think is a fun way to reframe thinking about how we spend our time. And yeah, I think, you know, I'll reference the weather a lot because, you know, (laughs) we don't get that great of weather here (laughs) consistently. Um, But I find that if I, if I carve it out and make plans, um, I personally don't struggle with the weather as much as others here, but I think it's because I kind of keep something in the queue to always be looking forward to. Um, in some way. So I'm always like planning ahead and seeing what's what's next. And, and that kind of also helps me like stay positive and keep living here feeling exciting. Well, I think, I think that's true. And it, you know, you might not have as hard of time as the, with the weather because you're also, you know, from Oregon. And I think that, um, you know, that's how I feel too. Like when I hear, when people are complaining about the weather a lot, which is what people do, especially at the farmer's market when it's raining, but this is an unusually rainy year, which is what I keep saying to everyone. It's not always this, you know, this is a wonderful place to live and to be. It's just exceptionally rainy this year. (laughs) Yeah. I heard it was an El Nino year, which happens about every five years, which kind of makes sense because I feel like five years ago it was a rainier year, but the last, not this year, but you know, 2020 and 21, I was like 
sunbathing at the river in April. So, yeah. you know, hold out hope <laughs> yeah. because it's not typical. No. Um, and we, I feel like we really needed it. I saw somebody share a hike. Um, they shared like side by side of the same hike last June versus this June and the water levels. And it's just insane. Like it's like a trickle versus a gush. And so, um, you know, Oregon is a very green place and we do need the rain to keep it. Yes. Yep. And we also don't have to worry about fires like last year, which is great. I think every time I'm like, I'm just thankful. I'm not like packing all my stuff in case our house burns down. <laughs> like, let's yep. just go with that for sure. Well, um, I always like to ask our guests um, what you need from the community. So what do you need from, from your community right now? Ooh, I would just say, you like know, how- I love, oh, I was just going to say, how do we best support you? <laughs> <laughs> mm. I really love when um, people comment just because not, not in a, oh, I want comments on my social media, but, you know, people like my things and I, I love to see that, but I really love like specific comments of, you know, when people go somewhere and, and maybe what you ate or some people don't feel comfortable publicly commenting. So they'll send me a message and I, they'll say, oh, I went here and I go, well, what did you think? What did you order? Like I, I want to encourage conversation um, and opening that line of communication. It really helps sustain me because I, I will say that I get a decent amount of trolls, not for me specifically, but just for promoting Portland in general. I get a lot of backlash in that way saying that I don't represent the city correctly. Um, but in my mind, it, it coexists with the bad, the good lives right alongside the bad. And I feel like there's been enough coverage of the bad that I don't really need to dig into that. Um, I don't want to disregard it. There are true issues that need addressing. Um, But what I like to do is give people inspiration and permission to feel joyful and to express that here in the city. So I do get a lot of trolls and sometimes that gets me down. And so I would say, you know, the feedback really helps sustain me. It gives me purpose and it keeps me going, knowing that like my recommendations and the things I'm talking about genuinely is resonating with people. Um, that, that gives me the encouragement to, to keep on going. So I would just say, um, you know, communicating with me on, on socials and letting me know what you think. I think that's great because it's something that people can definitely do. And I think that what you're doing is important. I mean, you're driving people to restaurants to go support them, to go have fun, to go experience them. And we need you to keep doing that. So listeners, you hear her. If you go to one of the wonderful places that Emily has recommended, you should let her know. Tell her you had a great time. Let her know what you had. It will help her to keep doing it. So um, that's definitely something we can do for sure. Uh, do you have any advice for people that are dreaming up a business? Um, I would just say it it takes time. Nothing's going to happen overnight. I'm sure you've heard that before, but um, it all starts with a good idea. And I think it's going to probably transpire differently than you think. When I started Foodie Snitch, I thought it was going to be a professional photographer services for restaurants. And it's really transformed into, I do food reviews on TikTok. Um, It's not the path I thought it was going to be, but it's actually brought me more satisfaction than I thought possible. So just stay open to what success looks like. And it's probably going to look different than where your starting point is. 
All right. I think that's good advice. And I, um, unfortunately, we're out of time. So I'm going to um, wrap us up. But I just really appreciate all you do and um, keep doing it. And uh, thanks for coming on the show and chatting about food in our city. Thank you so much for having me. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks, <laughs> Snitcher. <laughs> Stitcher is what I meant to say. <laughs> Thank you to our audio engineer, Alon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram, Missoni and Marshall, and we will be back next week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of Meaningful Marketplace. As a family-owned organ grocer for 42 years, Market of Choice strives to inspire, mentor, and assist a diverse group of local producers and foster equity in our communities. With 11 stores in Oregon, Market of Choice supports these craft makers, as well as farmers, fisherfolk, and ranchers by bringing more than 7,000 local products to market. Together, we form a sustainable, community-based food system that serves our great state. To learn more, go to marketofchoice.com. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.